nobody else sits in that seat. My seat is so sacred, when I leave, the cat sits in and waits on me. You know what I mean? Just to, just to keep it safe, just to hold it there, you know what I'm saying, until next time I come back. It's my seat, that's where I sit. But you know, when you sit and ready, sit down in that seat, and you plop down because you've been waiting for it the whole day, and you, as soon as your backside hits the cushion, your wife screams, come and see this. The first response for me is, what? Because I want to know what it is that she wants me to get up from my favorite chair in the whole entire world that I just sat into, that I just wanted to sit down into. I want to make it sure it's worth me getting back up for. Because that's a lot of effort nowadays. You know what I'm saying? And I want to make sure that it ain't just something I've seen all the time. I want to make sure I'm going to get enjoyment out of it and make sure I know what it is I'm going to go see. So I'm going to say, what? And you know, every time she's never explained to me what it is, this is what she says, just come and see. And I'm like, what is it? It's the cat it again. What is it? You know, I want some explanation of what this is. But she never gives me, so you just come and see. And wants me to get up from my chair and go see what that is. And it's always something ridiculous. You know, I love her, but it's always ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's never an 18-inch pizza. You know what I'm saying? It's always something that is it's different. You know what I'm saying? Always that way, that's the way it is. But what it is is an invitation. And many times me and you get invited to some place but we want more information about it before we're going to make a move. You all have heard the invitation, come to Jesus. What more do you need to know this morning for you to get up and come to Jesus? The Bible says this, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. Famous song that we sing. Noel, is the French word for the birth. Not just a birth, but the birth. The birth of Jesus Christ. Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. And today what me and you get to do is to come and see that which what is born unto us in Bethlehem. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 66 and verse 5, Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the son of men. I love, people say that I use the word awesome way too much. But when you're describing the indescribable, awesome is just the best word to use. That's awesome. That, that's who he is. God is awesome. God. We sing the song. We, we know that. But when if you would read the King James Bible, and, and if you would um be more of a person who kind of knows the old English, you would be kind of shocked to what Psalm 66 in verse 5 says. In, in the King James, it says this, Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the sons of men. The New King James has translated that word terrible to awesome for me and you because we don't live in England anymore praise Jesus I hate that place 
They have no good food, nothing. I mean, really, they don't. The, the, the word terrible in Old English is something that is beyond our imagination. Well, what do you mean by that? The word terrible in Old English was used to describe, to describe something that was so great and so powerful that it was scary. That it actually scared people. There are some things in your life that you have seen and been close to that actually you thought was beautiful, but then when you got so close to it, you realized how dangerous it was. Now, I've taken the teenagers a couple times, and Tim's taken the teenagers a couple times on the Maid of the Mist on the Niagara Falls. And we go up underneath that, that falls and see how powerful that water that falls from that, that, that river is. And at the, from the far distance, it's beautiful. But then when you get real close to it, and you can ask Lindsay this. <laughs> it's terrible, ain't it? It's terrible. It's, it, you can realize how strong it is and how dangerous it is and how it could wipe you out just like that. I love one day to go to the Grand Canyon, and I can't wait to go. And, and I could just imagine thinking how beautiful it is, but then looking over and realizing how terrible that would be to fall because you would starve to death by the time you got to the bottom of the hill. I mean, it would be horrifying. It was so amazing, so huge. But listen to what the Bible says. Come and see, come and see um, the works of God. He is terrible in his doings toward the Son of Men. Look, God is so powerful. God, God is so great that it scares people. Why? Because he is the only one who can destroy your soul. He is the only one that can create a heaven that you can spend eternity in. He's God, almighty, all-powerful, the all-creator of the universe. That's who he is. And we get to come and see him being born in Bethlehem. One of the first things Jesus said to his soon-to-be disciples was this, come and see. So today, let's come and see the first Christmas interruption. Read with me in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found with child the Holy, was found with child with the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What do we know about Mary? A lot. very first thing that comes out to us is that she um, was a virgin. It's not how it normally works. Never works that way. It was immaculate conception. She was a virgin, never been with a man. But not only that, we know that Mary was a humble young lady. Luke chapter 1, verse 29, she asked the angel, Who? Me? Is it me? But not only was she humble, we know that she was obedient to the Lord. Because what the Lord was, going to, was asking of her was beyond anything anyone would ever thought anybody would ask of anybody. But yet she was obedient to the Lord and said yes. But not only was she obedient to the Lord, she loved the Lord. And how do we know that, that Mary loved the Lord? One thing we can know about how we, what we love is that what we sing about. That's so important for our culture because we sing about things that we love. And I want you to listen to the Magnificat, Mary's song, as she hears this news that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of my, his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all the generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This song realize, allows us to realize that Mary was not far from the Lord, but Mary was close to the Lord and that she loved him. What a place for you to be as a young lady in the church this morning. A, a young lady who's pure, a young lady who is humble, a young lady who is obedient to the Lord, a young lady who loves the Lord, a lady that is ready to be used by God Almighty. What a place to find yourself on Christmas Eve. But not only was Mary that way, but Joseph, he was a just man, the Bible tells us. But he struggled. He struggled at first. You know what? That, that's repeated among every single one of us. Even though you may be a righteous person, even though you have a desire to do that which is right all the time, you know what all of us still do? We all still struggle when we hear the news that God has given to us. And that's exactly what happened to, to Joseph. 
There's never been a baby in the history of mankind that walked home or drove home from the hospital. They all struggle for a while, and they need help, and they need encouragement, and they need fed. They need to be taken care of, just like me and you. Joseph was a righteous man, a just man, but yet he struggled in his life, and he, and he doubted what he heard because what he heard did not make sense. And he liked things to make sense, just like me and you. But he said, now his wife, uh, she's pregnant, and he's never been with her. So the only thing that he knew that which would be right to do would be that secretly put her aside, divorce her. We won't, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to hurt her reputation. He didn't want to do anything with her. He just wanted to do what was right. So that's what he did. But he had not yet heard from the Lord. Mary had heard from the Lord, and she knew that the baby was from the Lord. So now the Lord comes to Joseph, and now he hears from the Lord what is to be it, what has happened. And you know what? After his knee-jerk reaction, he heard from the Lord, and he did what was asked of him. Today, many great people have heard from the Lord and instead of them doing what was asked of them, they ran the other way. They did the complete opposite of what they was asked to do. But he heard from the Lord even after he struggled, and then he immediately did what he was asked to do. This young couple, they were ready to be used by God. And they didn't even know at what magnitude it was going to be in. They were just ready to be used by God. If you're a young couple this morning, that should be your greatest goal. That what you would be able to do would be ready to be used by God at, at the, any specific time God was ready to use you. And this interruption changed Mary and Joseph's life forever. And you say, come on preacher, you're calling the birth of Jesus Christ an interruption? You know why I know to call the birth of Jesus Christ an interruption? Because I have kids of my own. And you know my kids, what they were, were an interruption of my life. I lived my life one way, and me and my wife lived our life one way, but then after the kids came, we didn't live that way anymore. And then we, don't, we didn't sleep for years. You know what I'm saying? And still don't, even today, after so many years. Man, our lives have changed for absolutely ever. My dad says that he likes pop filled on all of his, spilled on all of his food. Why? Every day of his life growing up, I spilled pop on his food. And he thinks that's the way it's supposed to taste like. Little Coke, you know what I'm saying? Little Diet Coke every now and then ain't hurting nobody. But our kids come in our life, they interrupt us. But it's not a bad interruption. It's the great interruption. But listen what happens. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, it changes your life forever. Behold, all things are new. The old things have passed away. And now the, what we have today is a new life in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest gift we have is the new life that we have in Christ today. And when we have this, it's going to change our life forever. Mary and Joseph, after that night, that old holy night, were never ever the same. 
After that night that you believe upon our Lord and Jesus Christ, after that day, you'll never ever be the same again. And then I want you to look at wise men and Herod with me and flip over into Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he went to them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When he had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another, another way. So we saw how the Lord interrupted Mary and Joseph's life. And now we see two other people, two other groups of people. The wise men and Herod. If the wise men came from Persia, and the way we would only know if the wise man came from Persia would be the book of Daniel and Meshach, Reshach, and the Bendigo, or the Billy Goat, whichever one you translation you read. Whatever that would be, that's from the Persian, and that's where the Magi um, came from, the wise men, or Magos being singular, that's where they came from there. So if they had came from Persia, modern-day Iran, it would have been about a 1,400-mile trip to Bethlehem. That's a long trip by foot or even on a camel. And it took these wise men a long time to get to Jesus. But they understood that Jesus was going to be worth the journey. Let me share something with you. What these men knew was extremely valuable. They knew the most important thing that they could do was see Jesus. And they were going to do absolutely everything in their power to get to see Jesus Christ. Today we live in a generation that people would not cross the road to go see Jesus. 
But here they went 1,400 miles with a desire in their heart to see Jesus. They knew God's word. Bible is quoted in Matthew chapter 5, Micah chapter 5, or Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and not the least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come, shall come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people, Israel. They came to worship God, and they brought gifts to honor him. And what we know, and everybody talks about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and all the different meanings that they could possibly have and everything, but I think many times we miss the, the first easy picture of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We, we, just, we just fly right by it because me and you don't have many needs today. Right now, someone asks you, what do you want for Christmas? Man, it's a struggle. Why is it a struggle? Because the majority of us don't need anything. It's really hard. But listen, Mary and Joseph did not have what we have today. They had just left Nazareth, and now they're in Bethlehem. So look what God does. God sends these three men, that we think are three because they have three gifts. He sends these men 1,400 miles or 600 miles from Babylon. You, you pick it. It don't bother me, whichever one of them. It's long, both long trips. Um, you, they come to, to Bethlehem, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen, those were not $25 gifts and under. That was, the gifts are more, the, the thought is more than counts. You know what I'm saying? Those gifts funded Mary and Joseph's trip to Egypt and lived as foreigners in Egypt until Herod died. So those, those gifts were a purpose brought from God to protect his only begotten son because his son had a purpose and he was going to save the soul, souls from hell. To forgive us of our sins. And he kept Herod from killing Jesus by these placing him in Egypt. But what did the, the wise men get from coming all that way to see Jesus? They got to see Jesus. That was the greatest part of the journey. That they got to see Jesus. That's what it was all about. That's why they left. That's why they were there. Because they wanted to see Jesus. Today, what did you get for coming to church? I got to see Jesus. I get to see him high and lifted up. I get to praise his holy name. That's what we get. We get to see, we get to see Jesus. Have you ever went on a trip? And going on the trip, man, you're exhausted and you're worried and you don't know where you're going to stay. You don't know how you're going to get there. You don't know the connections and you're worried. Man, it takes forever and you're just sitting there at the airport and you're worried about making the flights and worried about what the hotel is going to be looking like. What this is, and, everybody, and it feels like it takes forever to get there. But then finally you get there and you see it and now it's time to go home. And on your way home, it's like, man, that trip was like half the time as a trip coming. Why? Because you're not anticipating not knowing what you don't know because you know what's home. 
You know your bed. You know your house. You, you know what's waiting for you. And you're excited to get back home and you're relaxed to do that. Can you imagine these, these men who walked all that way to excitement, to be able, what's he going to look like? How are we going to get there? Are we going to be able to find him on time? Wow, when we get there, and they, the Bible says in, they, they came to his house. That's why everybody don't like the nativity scenes that we have because they say the three wise men didn't make it in time at the nativity scene. They got there a little bit late and showed up at the house. Woo! Makes a difference to me, amen? But they got there, and what did they get to see? Jesus. Can you imagine them going back home? They were warned in a dream not to go back the same way and tell Herod. All the way home, they got to praise the Lord Jesus Christ because they realized they had seen the, the face, the face of God. At that moment, after they saw Jesus and they were walking home, their life was not ever the same after that. They'd been interrupted and their life had been changed forever since they saw Jesus. And then there's a man named Herod. Herod was scared by what he heard the wise man say. The wise man asked a question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? You know what scared Herod the most? He's the king of the Jews. And here come these men with everything they got, with all the people, all the the, the big parade and the entrees coming asking where is this king that's born today and he's like wait a minute I'm the king of the Jews so now he's finding out that there's a child being born that is going to be the king of the Jews so that means he is no longer going to be what king of the Jews he's no longer there he's lost his his job he, he, he don't have that job security in, anymore. You know what? Herod was more worried about Herod than he was worried about anything else. Have you ever noticed about in America today that we seem to be more, more worried about ourselves than we are anybody else? You know what we call that? Selfishness. Herod was selfish. He wanted his area protected. He wanted his zone protected. He wanted his job protected because Herod was looking out for Herod because nobody else was looking out for Herod. He wanted his territory protected. So what did he do? He realized the king is born. He's here. So I got to take care of it. And Herod was a no-good, sneaky liar. Verse 7 says, says this, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man, determined from what, they, what time the star appeared. He started a plan, came up with this plan, that he was going to get the, the wise man to be his spies that they would go find this baby Jesus and go ahead and worship him, do whatever they wanted to do. But on their way back, they were going to stop and tell him where this baby was at so that he, Herod, could go and worship that baby as well. 
But that was not what Herod wanted to do. Herod had made a plan. And verse 16 tells us of that plan. He says, and when he, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men. Wait a minute. What was he doing to the wise men? Deceiving them. You know what liars hate when people lie to them? Liars hate lies. They do. And he was upset now that he found out that these wise men has deceived him. Because what was he going to do? He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. This was one of the most horrible events in the history of man. And it happened just moments after the greatest event that ever happened in the history of man. Herod not only was a sneaky, no good liar, Herod was a cold-blooded killer. It was prophesied that he would do this in the Bible. Verse 18 tells us, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. We have no idea how many of those children, two of years and younger, were at that time. But does it even matter? How many babies we have in our church right now, two years and younger, is unbelievable. And it would be heartbreaking. Lamentations, weeping, and great mourning. We would, be refused, we would refuse to be comforted because they would be no more. It would be awful, terrible if we lost all those kids. But you know what happened? Herod died. And Joseph took his family back home from Egypt. And Jesus was raised in Nazareth. To fulfill the prophecy of verse 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us why Jesus came. It tells us simply this. He will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph, they didn't know what, how God was going to be, how God was going to use them, but he did. Those wise men, they heard what was going to happen and they went to see Jesus and their lives were changed forever. Herod had every possibility in the world to be able to worship King Jesus as he was born and laid in a manger. But just like the people of Israel, and how many people are still today, King Herod rejected Jesus Christ. And he lived a miserable life, and he just died a miserable death, being so close to his life being changed.
forever. He chose to reject Christ because Herod was more concerned about Herod than anybody else in this world. Jesus Christ, he came to save us from our sins. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled 300 Old Testament prophecies that he was the coming Messiah, our Savior. And what we have discovered over the last while, over a hundred billion people have died so far in our world. That's a lot, a lot of people. In the present, there are 7.4 billion of us who still have breath in our lungs. And what that means is this. There's 7.4 billion of us who still have the opportunity to praise Jesus Christ and to believe upon his, his name. I always, everybody likes this new artificial intelligence. I want you to go home and bother it if you still, if you have it. I asked artificial intelligence the other day and I said, how many Christians have there been since Jesus? It blew its mind. It had never been asked that question before in all of its years, all two of them or one of them, however it is. But it came up with a number after a while, after I asked two or three other questions. And according to it, approximately 8 billion people have professed to follow Jesus Christ in the last 2,000 years. But listen, as I was looking it up, I found something that I, it is mind-boggling. Since the birth of Christ, 70 million Christians have been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. Their life changed forever. How many people has Christ changed since coming into this world over 2,000 years ago in the city of Bethlehem? I don't know that answer. But I know of one, me, that Jesus Christ, 40 years ago, changed my life forever. It was on a Tuesday that someone touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. And ever since that day, 40 years ago, I've never, ever, been the same I followed Jesus Christ come and see the works of God he is awesome in his doing towards the son of men I feel close to the shepherds in the fields I never even met a shepherd until I was 20 years old when I was 20 years old I met my first shepherd and I was excited about the whole deal. I mean, I was looking for like a, a robe and a, a staff because that's what shepherds look like. I, I was excited about what it was going to be like. And the first encounter I had with a shepherd, and the first thing I did was I smelled him. 
He, in Eastern Kentucky language, stank to high heaven. It was horrible. And this young man, he was just like 12 or 13 years old. And he wanted to share with me what he did. And he told me that what he, he was an orphan. And the villagers would take care of him in the sense that he, every single morning, he would walk through this village of Rebertia. And, and he would stop by and get each person's sheep. And he would yell at these sheep, and the sheep would know his voice. And they would come out from their house, and they would follow him. And he would take them to a green pasture and let them pasture for weeks upon end. He would take them sometimes far away. And the way that um, the people of this village would pay him was that he would, was able to keep a portion of what those sheep produced. And he shared with me what he produced from those sheep. And it's called Brunza Dewaya. If anyone in your life ever offers you Brunza Dewaya, just say no. It's sheep cheese, and it smelt just like him. It tasted like regurgitation. Horrible, and I'm going to be in trouble for sharing that with you, but it's okay. It was nasty. And he shared me all these things. And I discovered and went home that evening, a 20-year-old man, boy, saying, Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not a shepherd. <laughs> then God made me a shepherd. But I don't stink as bad as you all do, so I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? But... What happened is it allowed me to understand what in the world happened that night 2,000 years ago. The shepherds were in the field doing their job, keeping the sheep at night. They were not home around a fire, singing songs with their family, enjoying life. No, they lived their miserable existence out there with those sheep just to stay alive they were doing their job and what happened that night changed their lives forever the angels interrupted them they heard what the angels said and there was going to be a babe born in a manger there in Bethlehem just about a half a mile from where they were standing in the field of Boaz as we know it from the book of Ruth and when they were standing there in the middle of that field I got to stand there about five years ago and I got to look to where Bethlehem was you can see it to a distance and it overwhelmed me standing in that field that that those angels interrupted those shepherds that night but that interruption lasted their whole entire life it changed their whole entire life they heard 
about that baby born in the manger. But what did they do? They hurried. Quickest anyone's ever made a half a mile in their life. And they found Jesus lying in the manger. They didn't have gold and frankincense and myrrh. The, the wise men was bringing that. They didn't need to bring that. But the only thing they could give that day was their heart. And they worshipped Jesus lying in a manger. And you know why we think we know it's so special to them? Because they told everybody about it. You know how I know how your grandkids are to you? How special your grandkids are to you? Because you tell me all the time about them. Right? I don't have to question. I'm not sitting back wondering with all my grandparents around me. I wonder if they like their grandkids. They love them. And they tell everybody about them. You know how we know they love Jesus? Because they went and told absolutely everybody about him. And they went back to work different than when they left work. They went back to work glorifying and praising God for all the things that he had heard and seen. That night changed their life forever. It wasn't just the night. Jesus changed their life forever. Jesus has been interrupting lives ever since he came. But Jesus will interrupt us again one day when the eastern sky will split and the trump of the Lord shall sound and a shout will be heard where Jesus Christ comes and brings his church back home to be with him and he will come as a thief in the night when no one is expecting it he came first as a baby and he lived a life without sin and gave up his life on the cross of Calvary he was buried in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he arose victorious from that grave. Why? To prepare us for the next time he comes. So that we can be ready to go home with him in glory. As today we are celebrating the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a baby. We are anticipating his coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the best way to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ is coming to Jesus Christ. By repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus. Christmas is celebrating the coming of Christ. And today we can celebrate you coming to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we receive that invitation. Why? Because Jesus, he came for you.
Today, our invitation is this. Hear it from Jesus, not me. Come unto me that all you are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus came for you. Lord God, I'd ask today that in this time of invitation, we know what it is. And Lord, what we get to do today is decide if we're going to get up or not. If we're going to respond or if we're going to sit. If we're going to believe or we're not going to believe. If we're going to obey or we're going to disobey. Lord, we know Herod had every chance, yet he didn't believe. He didn't have every chance to know the word, but he had to ask where Jesus was going to be born. Because he didn't know you or your word. But Lord, I'd ask today that you would allow us to know it's good enough to get up for. The wise men knew it was good enough to travel the, all the way from Persia to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph knew it was, all, it was good enough to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Lord, today... We know it's worth coming and seeing the mighty works you've done for us. Lord, may we respond to your invitation today. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to God's invitation for us. So thankful that what we get to do is praise his holy, holy name today. Have the ushers come forward today that we can give back to the Lord that which he has so richly um, blessed us. So thankful for all um, the good gifts that he has for us. And um, we just ask that you would um, remember um, all the ones that are struggling today in our church. We have a, a brother, Bill Little, he, he had chemotherapy and radiation got a little break but his body um, um, got down and they had to admit him in the hospital um, yesterday and I just ask you to pray for Bill as uh, he just needs to, that, that um, strength to get back and, um, and just pray for him as they're ministering to him right now in King's Daughters there's two places that you don't want to be on Christmas Eve um, the hospital or the jail and, and this week we got to minister to both of those places but those places are still full so we pray, pray for those people. Um, Doris, um, uh, 
Parsley, she had um, a surgery a couple days ago, and she actually thought she was going to be in the hospital all Christmas, but she got to come home um, last night um, for a Chris, early Christmas present. So we're thankful um, for that. But so many other people are standing in need of, of our prayers today. We still have a couple young people with COVID right now that we want to lift up and ask God to, to touch and, and make sure they're okay. Um, we're still struggling even after all this time. The Lord knows that there's so, so many people still have yet to believe upon Jesus Christ. And I know that the crowds um, will keep us many times from doing that. But just know, I'll be the last person to leave this place here today. And um, if you have not yet believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, don't let me leave um, before I can share with you the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, um, Jesus Christ. So we're thankful. James, can I bother you to pray and ask God's blessing over this um, offering for us today? Father God, we give you thanks today, Lord. We give you thanks for the kind of mercy, Lord, that, uh, that caused you to give your only begotten Son, Lord. Um, that those who believe on him. God, we praise you and we thank you for this time of celebration together, Lord, and this time of learning and hearing your word together. God, we praise you that uh, you have given us opportunities, Lord, to serve others and to carry your gospel forth and, and to go tell it from every mountaintop and in every valley, Lord. We pray that you would bless this offering, God, that it would be used wisely and, and earnestly by the church, God, that, uh, that your king kingdom might be strengthened and fortified, Lord, and we just ask that you would be with each one as we go from this place, God, and, and let us live out the gospel first in our own homes and then with our neighbors and our community members, God. and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like for y'all just to give a big round of applause for all they today. Amen. Our our heart in the church in the over the last year, and we're pushing in the, for the next year. Is I, I'm tone deaf, and um, I can't sing, and I don't appreciate singing like I should, and I don't know music, and I can't hear music, and my biggest fear is that. 
you all adopt my thinking of that. And, and, I, and our church is already going to be Word of God heavy. We're going to be preaching the Word of God more than we do anything in the world. That's what we're always going to do. But I just want us to learn to sing the praises of God. And I think they did a great job today um, leading us and help letting us not be entertained, but that we could sing along with them. Because that's really what heaven's going to be like. It ain't us going to be set back listening to the angels sing, even though they'll be able to sing pretty. It'll be us singing those praises with the Lord. So we're learning together that we want to sing together, not be entertained, but worship our Lord and Savior, for he is worthy to be worshiped and praised. Amen. And I hope that you saw that today, and they did such a great job allowing us to participate in that. So you stand with me today. Remember, tomorrow, if you don't have anything going, um, tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, we're going to feed uh, um, anyone that's not got any place to eat at, here breakfast. So we're excited about that. And um, if you want to come help, we'd love to have you. And come eat, we'd love to have you. So we're going to close and, and uh, sing this song with these young ladies as we go. Um